the other day I was just watching something that really uh, sparked something in my head and it's one of the things that always frustrated me in all the years as a believer is about that uh, that healing is not something that uh, what can I say the approach to healing is is still based on a lot of uncertainty so like when people get ill or get a diagnosis and so on yeah uh, the patterns i've seen many times is that once the diagnosis is coming off we all praying we all doing this that and the other and so on declaring and so on and then phase two we start cooking for them and then we cook for them we cook for them we cook for them and stage three they die and we say oh now we're home with jesus okay this is and but and this is in general what I've seen, and yet in that there are people who have received healing and get healed, okay? And uh, but I don't believe uh, that this is what God wants. That it there should be that uncertainty, you know, that Jesus came to reveal the Father's heart, and the reason for why He did that was that He wanted to uh, eliminate any kind of doubt. Because he, he talked about that we, had, we should have faith and so on. And, and so he came to reveal the Father's heart. And, uh, and I think that many of times that we can, we grow up in customs, we grow up in traditions, we grow up in cultures, and many of times we ending up doing things and, and the reason for why we are doing them is because of this is what we have seen before and heard before, this is what we always done. And we, we, we are holding on to customs that necessarily is not in the Bible. For example, that uh, where you know the Bible does not say when you pray you should fold your hands. Have you noticed it? But have you noticed? No one even needs to tell you. It comes like natural. Let's pray. And we fold the five sausages to one another, and, and when we bow our heads, no, it, no one needs to tell you. It just let's pray. It just uh, where does that come from? You know the Bible does not even talk about that we should have. And we should call out for salvation, like we do. You know, if anyone wants to meet Jesus, come forward this way. That's not even saying that. But this is a custom. I'm not saying the custom is wrong, but I'm just saying that this is customs that we had got used to. Uh, no one had. Uh, it doesn't say in the Bible that when you do praise and worship, you need to have three quick ones, two slow ones. But it, it doesn't say that. These are customs that we have accustomed ourselves to, and. Um, and I was watching this thing about this is uh, about the, the convoys that came from America during World War II to supply Britain with food, and uh, and the strategy from the Germans was to sink all these uh, ships with food and supplies because when Britain would basically starve to death, all the supplies came from Canada and North America, and the German submarines was out there, and um, and when there was a British uh, uh, captain on a ship, and he was the, the captain, the first British captain who managed to sink a submarine in the Atlantic. And when he and everyone was very excited now because now we, we sunk one of the German submarines, and they asked him now, I want you to go and meet these guys, and then we're going to make a dog twin, uh, you know, military built on dog twins, how they fight. So they wanted him to write down everything he did. And that became the doctrine of the British Royal Navy to when they encountered submarines in the Atlantic. And um, 
But the thing is that what happened was that more and more ships got lost in the Atlantic. And it was actually at the time people were queuing for food. There was, there was such a shortage of food and supplies and everything because of the, the submarines sunk everything in there. And they didn't understand why did that tactic not work because of this guy. And he was a famous guy. He, he, he sunk the submarine. And uh, he was uh, this man called uh, Captain Walker. And he was, he was like a celebrity at the time. <coughs> and... Uh, and then there, there was something that, and this is amazing, you could actually make nearly a biblical story about it. There was something called the Royal Naval Women's uh, Corps, something like that. It was like more like a women's scouts in the Navy. No, women were not allowed to fight. Women were not allowed on the ships even. And, but uh, they start analyzing every encounter that they had had. And they came up with the conclusion of that uh, that guy, this captain who was so famous, where all the doctrines were based upon, that when he sunk a submarine, it was by luck. You know, like you know, like it's just like a broken clock is is right twice a day, okay? And uh, and and what happened was that because we had an assumption of that the submarines, if you can imagine a convoy, you know which is miles, miles, miles long in the Atlantic. So they had the assumption of that the German submarines were outside of the convoy and shooting into the convoy. Okay? And, uh, but, what, what, but by a lot of uh, uh, analytical things, these women, they came up with the understanding of that the German submarines were not from the outside of the convoy. They actually sneaked within the convoy. And then instead of shooting from the outside in, they were shooting from the inside, okay? And, and then they came up with it. You know, this captain who was so fortunate that he sunk this uh, one submarine, actually, he built the doctrine upon that every time they, they, made a sub, they, they, they encountered German submarines, they escort ships of the convoy, they should disperse from the convoy because they assumed the German submarines were outside, okay? And uh, which means they were not. Okay, but these women they came up with, with the understanding of no, they're, they're shooting from inside the convoy. So you can see that the doctrine they had built was completely opposite. It wouldn't work because they were searching in an area where they were not. And then they start realizing no, they are inside the convoy, and that changed the whole thing about how to where to search for these submarines. Okay, and when, uh, and this woman. Uh, uh, I think, I, I don't know if I pronounced her name right, her, her name was Jean Nagel, an accountist. And she said that, you know, she realized the whole def- supply line for Great Britain during World War II was based upon luck. <coughs> because this guy, by coincidence, has sunk a submarine. And, and when I heard that, it just stuck something in my head that many of you know, I believe that the Bible should be, that it should work all the time. Not just every once in a while or whatever, you know, I, I've seen people, when people get diagnosed with uh, something and then what happens with uh, well-meaning people, they, they give you a book about, uh, read this book about healing, read this book about healing, uh, whatever issue you may have, someone comments, give you a book, read this and whatever. And I don't know about you, but it doesn't work. Because, uh, and when we use the assumption of that, it's the anointed. Yeah, but now we, now we, if it's we anointing now, suddenly it's like more like, 
it's more like a lottery. Am I, I, am I going to get it or not or whatever? And I believe that this is the whole strategy, those mindset we need to get rid of because of God is not a lottery, okay? It's not about, and, and when we're using the, our good behaviors, it's like we buy more tickets, the more good behavioral things we've done, and the more tickets we have in the lottery, and the more tickets we have in the lottery, the greater the chances for me to pick a winner. No, that's not how it is. Jesus, he said about God, that ask and this shall be given. He didn't say, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, and it shall be given. And, and that's where, again, people have a bit of a built uh, doctrines on what people have said because there's a famous quote by Martin Luther you know the one from the Reformation he said this thing about that he cries with ears full of uh, uh, you know he, he pesters God so much until God blesses him okay and uh, for, for the flesh that sounds nice because that feels like I can do something it's with really me no, that's not how God's relationship works. Do you understand? No, I grew up with a lot of people say, you know, I'm desperate for Jesus. I'm desperate for God. And you know, but I know the heart, in the heart we're saved. But I'm telling you, this is not how God wants you to have a relationship. Can you imagine you have a relationship? I'm not desperate to be with you. That means there's no relationship. Okay? And, uh, and so, so, so what, uh, the first thing is, that uh, I, I came to really know that the, the problem was that these uh, uh, naval officers during World War II in the beginning, they did not understand the mindset of how the German Navy operated. They assumed that the German Navy operated according to how they think. And I think that it's the same. So, and because they assume that, they start looking in wrong areas. I, you know, like what many of times, like even now, I'm involved in a few issues with people that uh, it's still this thing about me. people are based upon this thing that as many people I can get to pray for me, the likelihood of me getting healed is greater. Okay, I get you, know, you probably received it yourself. Oh, pray for this and pray for that, and, and you, you know we are we are we are one number out of many we have written to because of there's this thing about that if we can get more people to pray, the likelihood is that I will get healed. That's greater, but that's not how the kingdom of God works because God said I only need one. Amen. You don't need the whole world to pray for you to get healed. You just need faith in your heart. And that faith is based upon that we, we, that we know Him, that, that uncertainty is eradicated from our hearts. But it's difficult if we've always been trained in that system that, that uh, if, if there's something, uh, you know, I need, I need to get more, as many people to pray for me, and even better, if I can get a famous person to pray for me. When will I put this in? You know, I've heard people, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Benny Hinn prayed for me. Yeah, so what? Benny Hinn is not God. He can't heal you. You know, I've seen men, you know, like, uh, like, uh, but it's that mindset we've been brought up in. We've brought up with democracy. What is democracy? The majority always is right. So we're thinking, if I can get more people to pray for me, then the likelihood is that I get healed. But that's not how it works. You know, but the most powerful moments in the life of Jesus was when he was on his own. Okay? You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, his prayer group, so to speak, they fell asleep. Okay? He woke them up and they fell asleep again. 
So I don't get discouraged if you fall asleep. You know, I'm in good company when you, when you start, when I start preaching. No, yeah, if you fall asleep in Jesus, oh, so who am I then to think? But when he was tested by the, the, the devil in, uh, in the desert, he was on his own. Okay, the, on the cross, he was on his own. And uh, because his power did not lie in numbers. His power lied in, he knew that his father would never leave him nor forsake him. Amen. And it, that was the job, in, as we see in John 17, this was the job Jesus had in the three and a half years he was in public ministry. That was to reveal to each one of us that God is more than enough. Amen. God is more than enough. That is where your faith is based upon, <coughs> is upon him. And uh, so in Matthew chapter 4, so, so uh, this is the first time really where Jesus faces the devil face to face, so to speak. Uh, there, were, there were other encounters where the devil tried to kill him, you know, when he was born and so on and so forth. But, but here, in, in, with the temptations of Jesus, we can see a little bit of the devil's strategy or the devil's tactics. And it's so important that you need to know your enemy. Okay? And the thing is that very often, the, the greatest mistake we very often make is that we assume everyone thinks like us. Okay? And I don't know, you, 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 you'll find out in any kind of relationship, any kind of friendship, you find out if you have anything that is like that, you find out very quickly. No one thinks like you. Okay? And uh, so in Matthew chapter 4, and this is after, the context of this is after, remember, the baptism of Jesus. And uh, the most powerful thing that happened at the baptism of Jesus, this is where God publicly announces, this is my son, the beloved. Okay? This is, he doesn't say, this is my son. He didn't say, this is uh, one of my sons. He said, this is my son, the beloved. And I always said this thing, this is the foundation of the ministry of Jesus. That he is the beloved son of God. Amen? And it's the same thing with you and I, that our foundation in our walk with Jesus is that we are the beloved child of God. If you don't have that foundation, anything else you're doing that looks Christian, that sounds Christian, is works. Because really, if you don't have the foundation of that you are the beloved son or daughter of God, actually, God doesn't have any daughters. Do you know that? He only has sons. But Jesus, he, as I said, in the eyes of God the Father, we're all sons. In the eyes of Jesus, we're all women. <laughs> because we are the bride of Christ, okay, and we are the son of God. Why are we sons? It's because that the way we receive from God, our Father, is based upon inheritance. And in the context of the culture at the time, that only sons could inherit. Okay? Which means that whatever we receive is, you know, how, do you, how, how is the inheritance released? Someone has to die. Okay? That's why I, I said to some of my friends, that when, you know, some of my friends were up at the age, I said, I said to a friend, good friend of mine, I said to him, don't get your son-in-laws to pray for you. You don't know what prayers we're going to pray. Jesus, take him home. <laughs> I said, I'm safe. I'm not in your will. I can pray for you. Don't worry about it. Okay? But if you ask your son-in-laws, they might pray all the prayers. Okay? Because, but the thing is that, 
it's through inheritance. Okay? So, and how, how is our inheritance released? When Jesus died. And you know, when, 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 Jesus is called the firstborn of many brethren. But the Bible also says that we are in Christ. Which means, you know, Jesus is the firstborn. And do you know what is the, the, the advantage of being the firstborn? You get double. Amen. That's why that there is more than enough. So when you are in Christ, you can, you can expect uh, that the inheritance has always already been released into your life. But because of, we don't understand that, the devil can deceive us. I want you to understand, the devil is not powerful. I, I don't understand this context with, that especially charismatic using a lot. I think I did it myself in early days. It was my Christian life because that's how I was taught. So like, I'm under attack. Meaning, oh, it's really difficult. It's really hard and everything is wrong. I'm under attack. You know, so like when someone said, I'm under attack, it, it pressed a button. Oh, let me pray for you. And then we, <coughs> we, we screamed and rebuked and everything that could move and whatever should leave. Okay. And, uh, but the thing is that it's really a lack of understanding that Jesus has already won the victory. Okay. You know, I like that, you know, again, to refer to Martin Luther, there is a story about Martin Luther when he wakes up and the devil sits next to him. I don't know why he knows it's the devil. Maybe have a name tag. Devil. Okay. And when he woke up, Martin Luther on his bed, and when he looked, the devil was sitting on his bed, and, and when Martin Luther, he looked at the devil and said, oh, it's only you. And when he turned around and carried on sleeping. Okay, because there was an understanding of the devil is not your problem. Why? Because you already got the victory. No, the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The Bible says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So why are we so focused upon the devil is attacking me? No, that's because we've forgotten that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Whatever circumstance, whatever situation is there for you to overcome, the circumstance is not there to use as a justification or as an excuse for why am I not succeeding? Why am I not in breakthrough? Why am I not in breakthrough? Yeah, but it's because of this, it's because of that, and whatever it is, I'm under attack. No, if these things are in your life, that is, you're supposed to overcome it. The Bible says that the enemy shall come one way and he shall flee in seven. Amen. And I believe it is so vitally understanding that your starting point, your foundation as a believer, is not someone who's trying to gain the victory, trying to gain the blessing, trying to gain the provision or whatever it may be in your life. It's about now you realize I got it and I'm acting upon it. Amen. It's, it, that's, you know, you're not trying to gain something that is already given to you. But that's what the devil wants you to understand, to think. And because religion and traditions and culture and history in the church, this is how we've been taught. It's always about getting better. It's always about getting more or whatever. No, you already got everything now. Do you know, the moment you said, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner and I need your salvation. In that moment, you are perfect. You're not going to be more perfect. You are perfect. Why? Because of the blood of Christ. 
Because of him, from that moment on, God looks at you as perfect. You know, when a new baby is born, you don't say, oh, that baby is really chunky, really fat, or whatever. No, no. That baby is perfect in the parents' eyes. And the moment you get born again, God, the Father, looks at you and says, now you are perfect. You do not become more perfect by your deeds and action. No, you are perfect by birth. Okay? Anyway, so, so after that, uh, Jesus was told by his heavenly Father that this is my son, the beloved. And this is where chapter 4, verse 1 starts. It says here, when, the, when, was the Je- when was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? Notice this interesting thing here, that it's the Holy Spirit that leads you, that led him into the desert. It was the Holy Spirit who led him into it. It, it wasn't the devil who led him into the desert. And I believe that, you know, that many, many years ago I preached a sermon about that the desert can be your friend. Why? Finally alone. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know, some pastor once said to me, little church, little problem. Big church, big problems. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. But the thing is that you have, you know, like notice in the context, what, what God the Father said, this is my son, the beloved. Now, if you notice that everything with God is that you know, when God says something to you, it has to be tested. Not tested for your destruction, but tested for your approval. You know, like when you go on an airplane, you don't want to where the captain, he says, oh, hello, this is captain so-and-so, and you have such a privilege. This plane has never been in the air before. We have not tested anything. This is brand new. I hope you enjoy your flight. Okay, and when you think, can I get out again? Can I get out? Because you are you are in and it's plane that has not been tested. Okay, now when you and I we go through tests, okay, it's not to disqualify you; it is to qualify you. No, when you take an exam at school, it's not. You know, I don't think the headmaster. Maybe I don't know. Maybe because people are weird these days. I don't think the head said, let me see how I can get everyone to fail. <laughs> no, is every school is interested in to have a pass rate as high as possible. And when we have tests, this, so when the Holy Spirit is leading Jesus into the desert, it's not for, oh, I, I, I really got jealous. Father God said, Son, uh, Jesus, he said, Beloved, I'm the Holy Spirit, what about me? That's not how it worked, okay? The Holy Spirit led him into the desert. I'm telling you, when you and I, we are led into the desert, okay? Many of times, it's because now you're just on the brink of a new level. Amen? Where you can be entrusted more, you qualify for greater things in your life, but because we have this uh, victim mentality very often, oh, I'm under attack. I'm under attack. Or when, and when we become even more weak, and when we got uh, five people to cuddle us and comfort us, and, and when they send us the comfort scriptures, and, uh, and you know, sometimes I see all these things where I say, you know, the Bible is not a comfort blanket. The, the Word of God, the Bible says, is a sword of the Spirit. Amen. 
It's not, it's not, oh, oh, it's not like a, a fussy feeling to get your fussy feeling and then still carry on in your misery. Okay, no. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. Okay, so he come, so he's led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So when you say, why did God allow him to be tempted again? It was not to destroy him, it was to approve him. You, you know, you and I, if we have never been tested, how can anyone trust you? You know, but if you, if you apply for any job, what is the first thing they ask you for? What are your qualifications? And you know, you're only qualified the moment you pass the exam. You're not qualified just before the exam, you're qualified once you passed it. Amen. You know, like if you go to hospital oh, and you need some care, when someone, a very nice person, come, oh, are you a nurse? Yeah, why? I just like people. I just want to be nursing people. So, where did you study? I didn't study anywhere. But I just want to do this. No, they have to be qualified. Amen? And so, so he was tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted, 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Okay, can you imagine fasting 40 days and 40 nights? It's McDonald's in the morning, McDonald's at lunchtime, McDonald's at the evening for 40 days. It's fast food. Amen. You don't understand that, okay. But, but, he, but the thing was, he. But what Jesus was learning here, and you have to understand, Jesus did not operate as the Son of God. He operated as the Son of Man. So that's why that whatever we see Jesus can do, we can do. That's why he said, can you imagine, he says to, we shall do greater things. Do you know, there's one thing Jesus cannot say, but you can say. Do you know, there's one thing that you can do, but Jesus can't do. He can, he, you know, Jesus cannot say, once I was lost, now I'm found. Amen? Because he was never a sinner. Okay? And I think that that's what he mean about, I don't think it's about that, oh, I raised two people from the dead, now you raised four. Uh, four. Maybe that can include it, but this is not what, but he, we can say, we can do something that Jesus can't say. He can't say, I was once a sinner, and now I'm found. Okay, but anyway, so after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And I believe that a, a part of the process, what he was learning here was, do not navigate by anything in the natural. Okay, uh, I, I, I don't know, but I was told in, the, in, in Israel, the desert uh, a little bit different. When, you know, for me, a desert is like Sahara, where everything is flat. But I was told in Israel, the desert is like mountainous area and so on. Anyway, that's not really important. But what is it? It all looked the same. And I, I, do, I, I once used to watch this Paris-Dakar, you know, this race from Paris to Dakar, where we're driving all through the desert. And, uh, and they all say that, you know, the same thing in an airplane, when you're in a plane, you don't feel you're flying 500 miles an hour. Okay, why? Because there's nothing in, you know, when you're looking out, there's only air. There's, n- there's no points of uh, reference where it tells you. And so you can, you can sometimes you can, oh, this takes really long time, this flight here. And yet you're moving with 500 miles an hour. 
and but you don't feel it. And the same, and the same thing. At, uh, so, but in the desert, what we learning is when we don't look left, right, and center, whatever, to navigate. We learn to navigate by looking upwards. No, Jesus. What did Jesus say? I only do what my Father has shown me. Okay, I only say what my Father has said. No, he he learned to navigate by his voice alone, despite of what he saw in the natural. Now, some people now when we say I'm blessed, usually what we refer to something good has happened in our circumstances, and now I am blessed. But I want to let you know, you are always blessed. Okay? You are always blessed. Not just because of the circumstances are really uh, quiet or whatever. No, you are always blessed. Because your blessing is not depending on anything in the natural. Your blessing is your Father loves you. Amen? And I, I, like a, I like the story about John Wesley. You heard me telling it you so many times that when you know, he preached seven times a day on his horse, uh, I, you know, sometimes I'm thinking about that man, his body, physical condition, his bum must be so hard. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting on a horse for seven, uh, you know, the whole day, every day? And then, you know, it and, uh, and then he preached, and people did not love him as they love him now. They did not revere him as we revere him now, okay? And they abused him and so on and so forth. But he was not moved by these things, really. He was moved by the call that was upon his life to preach the gospel, to preach to the sinners, to reach the sinners and get them into the kingdom of God. And that's the same thing with you and I. We have to learn, I'm not defined by anything in the natural. I'm defined by every word that my Heavenly Father says about me. Amen. That's where you find your identity. You do not find your identity in anything in your circumstances. You find your identity in Him. Okay? And I'm telling you, once we see that as a revelation, you, are, you, you can say without having to pretend, without having to lie or whatever, you can say with conviction in your heart, I am blessed. Amen. I am blessed. So, so when he had five, so verse three, and when the tempter came to him, have you know, you know the devil? He always, you know, the, the, the thing is, the devil. You have to the devil moves in the natural. He can only move in the natural. That's why that you have a, a haunted animals and haunted houses and whatever it may be, because the devil needs to have something to express himself through. Okay, and. Uh, so he always moves in the natural. So he came when it's from the natural look like now Jesus is weak. Okay? He, that's how the devil thought now he's really weak because he's not eaten for 40 days and he's in the desert. Okay? And now I'm going to come and tell. But what he did not know, the devil, that the identity of Jesus was not based on the desert was not based upon the food he ate, or his physical condition, it was based upon his father's word. Amen. And that's the same thing for you and I, that we are based, uh, our identity is based upon our heavenly father's word. Amen. Not according to our religious deeds, not according to our religious history, or whatever it may be, it's based upon what has he said to us. Okay. And when the devil come, 
When the tempter came, now notice he called the tempter. You know, I want you to understand, the devil cannot make you sin. Uh, in the charismatic movement in the early days with deliverance, oh, the devil made me do it. No, he did not make you, he, the devil cannot make you do anything. Do you understand? Because if the devil can make you do it, it's not your fault. And if it's not your fault, you can't repent. If you can't repent, you can't be forgiven. Okay? Oh, the devil came and he made me do it. No, do you know, we do it reverse too. People, I have so many people say, the Holy Spirit made me do it. No, the Holy Spirit don't make you do anything. Okay? I, you know, I, I, I have seen people uh, using the Holy Spirit to make them to do anything stupid from karate chops to whatever it may be. Okay? I say, why do you do this? The Holy Spirit made me do it. No! Okay? Why? Because the relationship that we have with God is based upon what? Love! You know, but if the Holy Spirit makes me do things, now it's not, ba- and love is based upon free choice. Okay, so if the Holy Spirit makes me do it, now I'm out of control. You know, but with the ho- in Romans it talks about those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay, it does not say those who are manipulated by the Holy Spirit, these are the sons of God. No, those who are led, what, what does it mean by led? I am always in control. I can always say stop. I can always say no, n- not anymore. Okay, and uh, so, so, so the Holy, so he's the tempter. Okay, he's the tempter. He, he, he's not the one who makes you sin, but he's because he don't have the power to make you sin. He, you know, he, you know, every time we, we, you see in the story with Jesus and the devil. You know, he could not make him do anything that he did not want to do. You know, it was not the devil who killed Jesus. It was Jesus who gave his life. Do you, do you understand? If, if, if the devil could not, you know, he could not kill him. He, try, he tried a few times where the crowds tried to kill him and to stone him and so, but Jesus just disappeared. Okay? So he tempted, so the tempter came to him and he said, now notice what he say. This is the, 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 this is the way you have you can recognize the devil. Okay, if you be the son of God, what is the main thing he does? He questions your identity. Okay, he quest he put he, he try to sow doubt in your head about what God has said. Now remember, God said, "This is my son, the beloved." Now the devil, he's tempting, and he say, if you be the son of God, if you, he, he forgot the word there. You know, the, the devil, he, you know, the, the devil is, uh, he, he, he's called the deceiver. Do you know, that there has to be a certain kind of truth, or else you can't be deceived, can you? Oh, I, my, my sister, see, my parents used to say to my sister when she was a baby or whatever, the, the moon is made of green cheese. Okay, uh, whatever it may be. Like, there has to be a kind of truth. So the devil say, if you are the son of God. But you know, that's not what God said. God said, this is my son, the beloved. You're not just a son, you are the beloved son. 
So the devil now he come and try to question his security, his identity. And I believe that we are, even in our culture today, but also in the body of Christ, that we are in a really, 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 really big challenge about identity. Who am I? And it's so important we realize that you are who you are because of who God is. You are everything that God is saying that you are. You know, like John Osteen, the late preacher who is home with Jesus. Now, he used, he's the one who introduced this thing. That he started every meeting with this thing where he holds his Bible up in the air and says, this is my Bible, I can do what it says, I can do, uh, I am what it says, but I am, and so on, and so on, and so on. But what he was trying to do to people was he was trying to build their identity according to what the Word of God says. Okay? And, but, we're good, so, but here, Jesus was established in, he is the beloved Son of God. The devil tried to, to, to shake him, make him insecure in his identity, and, uh, and the way he is trying to do it is, if you are the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. What he was trying to do was, he said, he, said he, he was coming to Jesus, prove to me that you are the son of God. Do you know that the devil comes many times to each one of us, prove to me that you are saved. And when he refers to, uh, if he can make us refer to, yeah, but I helped an old lady across the street. I didn't kick the cat today. I didn't lose my temper today. Or whatever. We, uh, so, we, so the devil wants us to refer to something in the natural to confirm our identity in God. No, all that we are, we are only because of one thing, the blood of Jesus. Amen. You know, but a sinner who do good thing, does he, is he a saint? No. So why do we sometimes believe when a sinner do bad things, now he's not a now, now a saint makes a mistake, now he's not a saint anymore. The reason why we think that is because we're still basing upon our deeds. Okay? Our foundation is that you, when you have been born again, and now I'm not talking about being born again in terms of, I agree with Jesus, I go to church, or whatever it may be. No, it is that you have met Jesus. Jesus, the living God. Jesus, the Son of God. The, you know, the real, not, not the doctrine of Jesus, not the tradition of Jesus, not the history of Jesus, not the culture of Jesus, but when you met Jesus. Okay? And I, something that come back to me, I said, I said so many times lately to people because of that, uh, I said to them, I always refer to when I became a Christian, I said, you know, where people said to me, so, do you believe in the Bible? And I said, no. And then, say, have you met Jesus? I said, yes. Because I didn't know the Bible, so how could I say I believed in the Bible? Okay, in my upbringing, people quoted the Bible in all sorts of different stupid ways. So I didn't know, but if they asked me, "Have you met Jesus?" I said, "Yes." So they said, Have, uh, "Do you agree with Jesus?" I said, "No." But of course, the more you walk with Him, the more you agree with Him, because the better you get to know Him. But my salvation, <coughs> my salvation was not based upon that I agree with Him. Because you can agree with people without ever having met them. Okay? But you can't have a relationship with someone you have met. But you can have a relationship with people and not agree with them. 
Amen. The, the, so, but, so he was trying to get Jesus to move in the natural, okay, by saying, make these stones to bread. Prove who you are. Okay, Christian, have you ever heard people like you, or maybe you said it yourself, I have said it sometimes. No, oh, maybe they're not said it in words, but they said it with their eyes. Are you not supposed to be a Christian? And then what they're saying is that we have to live up to their assumption who are not believers anyway of how they think a Christian should behave. Which is stupid actually, isn't it? And this is what the devil is doing here. Okay? He wants to move Jesus from the spiritual that Jesus is defined by the word that the Father said. Now he, the devil wants to move him into the natural. Say, so if you are proved to me, prove to me, make the stones to bread, something natural. Okay? He, and this is what the devil will always want to do with you when, when you can recognize it is that he will, he, will under, he will try to undermine your identity. And the way, and then he will want you to move, fall into religious deeds to prove that you are who you say that you are. And the moment we do that, now we are on his battlefield. Okay? And we cannot win, we cannot win in his battlefield. We cannot win in the natural. We win in the spirit. Okay? So, so, so if you are, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, you know, like Peter. So, if you are healed, why do you still feel this pain? Because you see the same thing. No, no, why are you healed? Because by his stripes I have been healed. So when the devil comes and says to you, if you are healed, why is there still pain? Prove to me that you are healed by. Okay? Same thing, and then note, and now is it in? And notice now is a temptation. The devil cannot tell you you are not healed. Just like the devil cannot tell you you are not the son of God, or uh, tell that Jesus that he's the son of God. He can only tempt you. He, you know what? It sounds stupid in really when when you're saying it. The devil needs your cooperation. He can only tempt you to sin. But, he, but sin has no effect if he cannot get you to cooperate with his temptation. You know, I don't know, the baker, when you go through a buy the bakery, the, the cake don't just jump out of the window into your mouth. I mean, oof, what happened with that? Or the biscuits at home, the lid don't just fly off and all the biscuits just like a ooh, big stream in your mouth. And I don't know what happened. Amen. Uh, no, it does. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I learned when I got married with Ian? Don't ever say grace with closed eyes. <laughs> First time we said grace, I hope my food was gone. <laughs> What happened? I don't know. <laughs> I have three siblings. If you're not quick, you don't eat. <laughs> anyway, no, but this is a joke, okay? And but the thing is that don't move into the natural. Stay in the spirit. Now, staying in the spirit is not like 
No, sometimes we, we as charismatics, uh, could, we have made this spiritual thing to be weird. Okay? No, but Jesus is the most spiritual person you can ever find in the Bible. He was the reincarnation of the world. You, you don't find, you don't see anything that Jesus, oh, the spirit came out, honey, I just did these karate chops. Ooh! And that was, maybe that was after he made the bread, said there were two loaves of bread, he had to cut the bread. <laughs> Whatever. You don't, you don't see that stupidity anywhere. Okay? Jesus was the most relatable person of all. Amen. So, spirituality is not like you, you, you behave like some kind of guru who goes into a trance. That's not spirituality. That's just stupidity. Okay? Or religion at best. No. Spirituality is you rely upon what God has said. Amen. So, so the devil wants to move him into the natural. And verse 4, Jesus said, But he answered and said, You know, when the devil speaks to you, you are supposed to answer back. Amen. You, when the devil speaks to you, you are supposed to. Now, now you have to start. I don't think the devil showed up physically in front of Jesus. I don't think. I think it. What happened is what happens to you and I. It all goes on between our ears. Have you noticed the devil speaks to your mind? I, and I think it's the same thing with Jesus. I, you know, if the devil stood in right in front of you and said, "Could you not respond?" You know, it's very easy to realize it's the devil. But the reason for what the devil can sound like your own voice. Have you noticed that? The devil can say, you know, but many people, they're thinking, they, you know, when you speak to people, they, they take ownership of the thoughts that the devil has given them, and they think it's their own. No, it's the devil who's spoken to you. We have a whole generation of people uh, for decades where, you know, they, they, we, are, we have been so good at qualify, we, we qualify to, to tell ourselves how useless we are. Now, if I asked you, name 10 things you're good at, you would probably struggle. But if I asked you, name 10 things you're not good at, oh, it's like, no, take no time. Why? Because this is the culture. And yet, many of these things that you're writing down, is the devil who spoke to you. Okay? We can't avoid the devil speaking to us, but we can answer back. Billy Graham used it in this way. He said, well, you know, you can't, you can't uh, stop the birds flying over your head. But you can't stop them from nesting on your head. Okay? And many of the thoughts that is, you know, one of the way you have to understand, the thoughts that you have about yourself is not your thoughts. It's the devil's thought. It's the devil who planted it in, but because, we, because it sounds like us, so we're thinking it's our fault. Okay? No, it's not your fault. And here, Jesus is saying, answer him back. So when when you when, when the devil say you know you are not good at this you're not good at say you know you answer him back and say I can do all things for Christ who strengthens me. You answer him back. Don't just sit there, lie down in bed, and listen to everything that he says. No, answer him back. Okay. But he answered and said. He didn't notice. Jesus didn't say, "Pling!" Now all the all the desert was one big bakery. It was spread everywhere. 
He didn't say that. He didn't fall into that. He answered him back. But he answered and said, and now underline this in your Bible, it is written. That's why it's so important to know the Word of God, the Bible, not the prophetic word, not the dreams of God or whatever people may, not the, whatever it may be. The, the, the prophetic word of God is the Bible. Do you, do you understand? The prophet, this is the word of God. This is the, and Jesus, he, his answer said, it is written. He didn't say, oh, the anointing came upon me. Ooh, wow, I feel warm. And by the way, devil, that's not how he said it. He did not find because you have to understand. When we very often we talk about, I can feel God. So listen to what you're saying. I can feel God. I can feel the presence of it. Now you're operating in the natural because you're relying on your five physical senses to discern if it's God. I'm telling you, I have been praying for people. I'm telling you, I really, so-called physically, felt the presence of God so to speak, but nothing happened. I remember this uh, pastor man, back in 2008, I think, I can't remember his name now, but I didn't know him very well. But I remember I was asked to, 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 to the hospital to pray for him, and I'm telling you, when I prayed there, I just felt so much, like so-called, I'm telling you, but he died within a few weeks later. Okay? It, but this is not, you, you know, really, you can't feel the presence of God in a way. It's an expression. Now, you know, so many people say, well, the presence of God is here. Oh, so where was it before? Okay, God is here. Yeah, where was he before? Huh? Okay, if I close my eyes now, I, I say, you know, I'm going to try really hard now. I still can't feel army. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like you, you, you can't feel God because it's by faith it's by trust yeah but I want to feel buy an ice cream I want I want, I want something nice what's a, a funny movie whatever it may be okay you know, we're, we're pre- you know we are based we are moved by not what we see not what we feel, but what we believe. Amen. You know, but you can you, you can feel one thing, and and the reality is completely opposite. Okay. You can feel many. You know, like uh, uh, I, I was told. I I I'm, I I was told in. In, in in the small airplanes uh, that every inst- instrument there are two two of each, so the altitude and the speed and whatever, because of pilots, they are taught to fly not by how they feel, but they are taught to fly by the instruments. Because you, uh, and again, this is something where I've been told and where, that you can be, you can, uh, you can actually get into a sensation where you think up is down and down is up. So you're feeling that you're, you, you're pulling the plane up and you actually want you're crashing down because of your emotion. And the thing is that, so the pilots were taught, despite of how we feel, to trust the instruments. And the reason why there are two of them is that not 
Both could cannot be broken at the same time. That's why, you know, what, what does the Bible say? That on two or three witnesses, not just one. That's why that we, you know, I always think about in the charismatic movement, it's always based upon no judgment and no witnesses. It's just God told me. God told me. Okay? And, and that's not how it works. Even the prophets in the Old Testament did not move on their own. It's always talked about the prophets. Because we are, we are all, everything we do has to be accountable, has to be judged. Because we can all get it wrong. You know, because, uh, anyway, so Jesus said, it is written. It is written. The word of God is both the sword of the spirit, but it's also the shield of faith. In Ephesians, it talks about that, uh, that uh, it's the shield of faith, but in, 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 in Revelation, it talks about it's the sword of the spirit. So that's why, like, when, when you know, that, when you, when the devil attacks my mind, or when he speaks to my mind, what do I do? I answer him back by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. By his stars I have been healed. By, you know, in, I don't quote him my words, because my words means nothing. Okay? Because the strength is not in me, the strength is in him. So when I say, do you know what? When you are a believer, and you say what God says, it has the same effect as when God, if God said it himself. Because the power is in the word. The power is in the word. So when I say what God says, God's word will create the same thing. So Jesus said to him, it is written. He, he's, you know, the word is spiritual. He stayed in the spirit. He did not get dragged down out. <laughs> now I'm going to prove for this devil once and for all that I am the Son of God. And when he made every stone to become bread, no, that's not what he did. He, will, he, he, he was not moved out of his identity. His identity was based upon, this is my son, the beloved, what God spoke to him. And now he, he keeps himself in that identity by holding on to what God says. It is written. It is written. It is written. And either like, uh, was it Bill Johnson said this thing that if it's not good news, it's a lie. But the problem is with many of us, we it, it, it comes so easy for us to believe a lie. You know, I, I met people who say, oh, the devil said this to me, and they're really completely distraught about it all. Yeah, but I said, the devil is a liar. Yes, I know. So, so, so why do you believe him? Yeah, but what, 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 what if, what if, no, but this is fair. No, you are the beloved of God. Remember what I said to you so many times, I hold, what you fear cannot happen, but what you believe will happen. So, and faith is not an emotion, it's a decision where I say, despite of whatever happens, I trust in God. And you know what, the great thing about trust, you don't need to explain it. Amen. You don't need to. Yeah, but why do you trust in God? Because I trust in Him. Trust. Explain it. No, because trust goes beyond my understanding. Amen. That's why you know we call it faith, but it, but faith in action is called trust. So I rely upon Him, not upon me. I I I usually you want people who have you know over the time in the 
with the with the serious illnesses, I said to him, "And always there will always be someone coming along your way, good, well-meaning. Oh, I know someone who had the same illness as you. Oh, what happened to him? They died." Ooh. I said, "Yeah, well, I mean, no." I said, "No, it doesn't really matter because your trust is in Him." The Bible talks in Psalm 91 is that thousands will fall on your right side and ten thousand on your left, or is it vice versa? But it shall not come near you. Amen. So whatever painting, the devil paints in your mind, if it's not good news, it's a lie. Okay? You are blessed not because of your circumstances, but because of blood, the blood of Jesus. And I'm telling you, when you hold on to that, that will affect your physical circumstances. But don't use your physical circumstances to define your identity in God. But when you define yourself in God, it will change your physical circumstances. But the aim is not to change that first. If, you know, like in the Western world now, many politicians, many Christians, we're thinking that we can make our society more Christian if we change all the laws. And I'm telling you, I, I, it doesn't work. I, 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 st- I still think we have a law in, uh, in England that says, do not steal. I don't know it's written like that. But I don't think it stops people from stealing. Can you imagine if you have a law that says, become a Christian? That doesn't mean that you become a Christian. Because laws do not change people. Okay? Laws do not change anything. Or... We, we, we should have we should have we have that law we have that law. no it doesn't really matter about the law it's the hearts of people that matters if you want to do the law thing when you're actually again fighting in the natural and a lot of you know like it's really shameful when you look about back at Christian history uh, even many of the things that we look back and celebrate is just embarrassing what has been done in the name of Christianity okay. It's just shocking when you come. Because they're thinking they can fight the battle in the natural. Our weapons are not of this world. Our weapon is the the power of God, is the gospel. What what, what does that mean? When people get saved, when people meet Jesus, you know, they lose the desire for this, they lose the desire for that, they lose the temptation for that, and so on. Why? Because now he who is in them is greater than he who is in the world. That's how we transform a nation, okay? So he said, it is written, okay? It is So the first thing you need to hear, the devil tried to sow doubt about you. The devil tried to make you question yourself, okay? And that's a lie. Just hold on to it is written. Okay, you, you say, oh, but, uh, uh, God will provide, God will provide, and you know, your bank account, you got the color version of your bank statement. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I do that anymore. You know, when, it, when, when suddenly it goes red, oh, I didn't know I, I was on the color statement now. You know, if it's in the black, it's okay, but it's in the way, oh, is it? Co-? No, and when you say, the Lord is my provider, I mean, what will they say? But look at your bank account. I mean, now, what is going to define you now? Let you be defined as the Lord is your provider. As a, uh, when the devil say, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? You know, say, I trust in him. 
It is written, he will never leave me nor forsake me. And one thing also, you have to, uh, and that's why testimonies are very important in our lives. Because before, other times God had brought you through, do you think God brought you through all these times just to drop you now? No. Because in Philippians it says, he's faithful and just to complete the good work that he has started in you. And, you know, in our emotions, in our circumstances, yes, it might look completely opposite, but this is not what where we measure our faith in. We measure our faith in, in what we have said. So we say, like Jesus, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Okay? And now, I'll go quickly, because now I've spoken too long. Uh, so, but, so, but let, let's, so he, he gives him two more temptations, okay? But uh, we will go through ne- another strategy attacking ta- next month, n- n- next Sunday, uh, but because this is really just the introduction to it. So, but anyway, what I want you to see is that we, there's, uh, uh, there's 11, it says here, when the devil leaveth him, You know, the devil, because you operate in the natural, in the natural, nothing lasts forever. Have you noticed that? Everything, everything in the natural, there's always a limit. And the devil does not, you know, the same thing, the devil operates in the natural. It says, in other translations, say, the devil came to the end. No, but the devil cannot just carry on and on and on and on and on and on for, no, forever. That's why that one of the tempt- one of the things you can recognize also is <coughs> impatience, because time is not on the side of the devil, because he operates. But we, you know, that in the in in the kingdom of God there is no time. So in the kingdom of God you can never come late. Okay. It's only on this earth based. So because he operates in the natural, there's always a limit. So he says here, he came to an end. That's why Galatians 6, 9, you shall weep if you do not give up. The real key is we don't quit. No matter how hard it looks now, how hard it looks in the natural, no matter how much your brain has been bombarded and so on, don't quit because it will not last forever. But the devil, he's trying to say, because he, he knows he's on a time scale, he said, oh, it will last forever, it will last forever, it will last forever. No, just hold on. Hold on. Don't quit. Yeah, yeah, but I don't feel I can't do anymore. Doesn't matter what you feel. You can do all things for Christ to strengthen you. All you have to do, you know, you refer to your emotions or whatever. No, just hold on. God is with me. 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 There have been times, as I said to you before, the only thing I can say to the devil, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, if the devil te- comes with more temptation, he will just get another scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I do not need to explain myself for the devil, I just need to defend myself against the temptation. But I'm not going to react to do what he says. I'm reacting to what God said. And he said, I am the beloved child of the living God. Amen. And what, whatever, you know, if there is no way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He will always create a way. Why? Because he said, with God, and I am with God if I'm a believer, nothing is impossible. 
Yeah, but the devil say when the devil wants an explanation, I say it's not my problem. It's not my responsibility to come with an explanation. My responsibility is to trust him. Amen. I don't know how he's going to do it. That's, that's not my problem. That's his problem. That's called trust. If God has to explain everything to me, do you know what? It will be very limited what God could do in my life. Actually, if God, if, if God could only operate on my understanding and my moral codex and so on, I'm telling you, it will be a very, very small God. And when it's no longer faith we, I'm walking by, now I'm walking by agreement. But God does not say we should walk by agreement. He says we should walk by faith. Trust in Him. But the great thing is the devil came to the end. So just hang on to the word of God. You know, <clears throat> the first book I got when I started out in the ministry, when I got it, I was a bit offended when I got it, you know, because when I was studying, I mean, I was like, ah, full of faith, ha, you know, I'm more of a conqueror and so on. And when a guy, he gave me this book, what to do when the faith seems weak? What's the book, what kind of book is that? <laughs> okay. Anyway, the title was not brilliant, but in that book, there was a story, and this is, uh, was a book by Kenneth Hagen, and uh, so when Kenneth Hagen was young, okay, when you meet these old guys, it's really funny that memory is just incredible, okay? I remember Lester Sombra when he was in our church, uh, and when he, the first thing he said to our church, oh yeah, yeah, oh, I have some good friends. And when he named, I have some good Danish friends, so he mentioned their names. They were the founders of our denomination. <laughs> like, many, many, many. You might as well say, oh, the first time I was in Jerusalem, I saw Jesus. This <laughs> is like how old we were in our eyes. Anyway, but uh, Kenneth Hayden, he was sharing about, in that book, about uh, there was an airship, Luftballon, the, the US army or whatever it was at the time, they were, they were doing something with. And then, no, sorry, uh, during that experiment we're doing, uh, the, the balloon, they lost control of the balloon, so it just started rising. And, uh, and so it's one of these with a basket underneath, there's ropes hanging down. And, uh, and some of these men, they held onto the rope. And uh, sadly, one by one, they fell and many of them, uh, they died because of, they got so high up. But there was one man and the balloon just got higher and higher and higher. And they, uh, people were thinking, uh, it's only a matter of time before he falls off. He falls down. And that balloon, it was one hour, two hours, three hours, and he was still up there. I said, what is going on? This man is incredible. He must be super strong, whatever. And it was the whole, it was done until, I think, I can't remember exactly the time, but I think nearly many hours later, they finally found a way to get it because the air started going out of the balloon and started coming down. And then finally, when it came down, I said to this guy, what did you do? He said, he said when I realized that the balloon was so high that I couldn't jump down, I took the rope and tied it around me. Now, the others, they held on to the rope, but the rope, held him. He tied it so so he didn't use any effort to hold on because the rope held him. He, you know, when he, he held up, when he was uh, a student fired out, when he took the rope around him and now the rope held him. It's the same thing with the word of God. Let the word of God hold you. Okay?
It's not, you know, it doesn't take big effort. When, if you have some uh, negative thoughts in your mind, it doesn't take big effort to say, well, Lord, it's my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay? It doesn't take big effort. When you look, whatever, if you have symptoms in your body, you know, by his stripes I have been healed. By his stripes I have been healed. By his stripes I have been healed. I don't need to explain. I don't need to prove. I just have to say what the word of God. And I'm telling you, when you do that, uh, and you say, I am not quitting, the devil will come to the end. As long as we are indecisive, but we're looking for plan B, C, D, E, and F. No, but when, when you will not be an overcomer. But when you close every door and say, that's it. Okay? That's why, that, you know, like, uh, if, if divorce is, is on your mind, you will never have a strong marriage. If you think, if you're not happy with your job and you always have an option of, I'm quitting, no, you will never be happy with that job. You have to make that decision, say, that's it. I'm not quitting. Okay? But, uh, and that's with anything, when you say, I follow Jesus. That's with children's song, I I have decided to follow Jesus. No other way. Okay? But when we give ourselves an option, two, three, and four, then... Now, the devil discerns your indecisiveness and he carry on tempting you. But when you're closing everything and say, just hold on, let the word of God, tie, uh, hold on to the word of God, it's only a matter of time before you break through. Galatians 6 9, you shall weep in due time. And due time is not in 40 years' time or 50 years' time, it is very, very close. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Uh, thank you that you are a 